going. Game on, everybody. It's the throwback. Jake Seeley, Brad Ziegler. We're back uh, at Pauline Kid for myself, at Brad Ziegler for Brad. As a reminder, the Athletic Fantasy Football and, I know we're talking fantasy football, but just so you know, and Fantasy Baseball Draft Kit are out there for you guys. Fantasy Baseball are starting next week. I still can't believe it. For all you guys that don't know this, yes, baseball is back next week. So if you need any help with either of those, uh, we have rankings, projections, everything over there. DVR has got some terrific rankings on the baseball side as well. I actually always double check with him to make sure mine makes sense. And uh, so go check that out. There's offers at the bottom of any column you click on. So you can find 30 days free trial or a discount. And so go definitely check that out. But fantasy football, as we're talking about. But before we talk about fantasy football, Brad, I'll talk real football because I, I don't know. Are like, <laughs> are are you aiming for a front office job with the Chiefs? Because it seems like you've got a like little bit of pull on Twitter with the whole Chris Jones thing. Apparently, I have a little influence. I don't know, but this the timing was interesting. You know, he he tweeted out something. It was a little story that he said, and he his uh, caption for it was "Good read." And it was a story about a you know a kid with a watch that goes to a pawn shop and and they offer him five bucks for it. Um, his dad says to to take it to a museum or or it was a museum or auction house or something, and they offer him a million dollars for it. And at the bottom, it said, "Know your worth." And my response to that, when he's tweeting that out, like as a player, there's there's always the the sentiment in the locker room, "Know your worth." Like it it became popular in baseball when C.J. Wilson did decided he didn't want to be a closer anymore; he wanted to be a starter, uh, primarily because they make more money. And so. Um, you know, was, that was the saying around the locker room, know your worth, know your worth. So my thought is he's saying this because he feels like the, the Chiefs are offering him pennies compared to what he's worth. He's trying to force his way out. So I send out a tweet, new prediction, that Jones gets traded and the Chiefs sign Clowney and, and Snacks Harrison instead. And he liked that tweet. And when he liked <laughs> that tweet, it got a lot of attention on Twitter. All of a sudden, they're like, oh, he wants out. He wants out. And it, I had a buddy that said... Wouldn't it be funny if the simple act of sharing that tweet and having Chris Jones like it actually spurred the Chiefs to sign him or for him to, to, you know, maybe panic a little bit and realize that the offer might be pulled and, and this is his best shot to get paid. And who knows if it actually happened, but, you know, for, for that, you know, if it had any influence at all, I'll never know. But also at the same time, I like to think that I'm basically responsible for that four year deal getting done. <laughs> You could slide into his DMs, like, "Hey, man, you know, you toss me like one uh, percent over here." Yeah, just. I wanted to ask you because, as the player, when you see stuff like this, when you see him liking the tweet, and then you sent me the, another one. It was uh, of Judon from the franchise situation with Baltimore. Potentially, mm-hmm. they were talking about trading, and then you you sent me the tweet where he talked to Tyron Matthew on Twitter and says, "How's the real estate in KC?" Asking for a friend, like. <laughs> You know, like seriously like again you're the player like how much of this is just guys having fun with guys and how much of it should we really take into account because I do want to like bring this in to fantasy football you know you think of things like what if Le'Veon Bell starts doing this which we know how much there is like a rift between him and Adam Gase and the fact that Gase was never super into the contract about like when you see guys joking around that way or even a free agency should we as fantasy people Look at that and be like, "Ooh, maybe make a deal in my dynasty league, or ooh, maybe like this is going to happen." Do I? No, I'm I'm serious. Like, is it you guys just having fun, or is there like some truth behind it? I think sometimes there's both. I mean, you you've seen a lot of a lot of guys talking on Twitter when they have contract issues. You know, Jamal Adams, um, you know, is not happy with the Jets, and and people are like, you know, hey man, come to Dallas, and and you know, 
he he yells out the window of his truck, I'm trying or whatever. And just that when that kind of stuff, when you know, like you see a guy there with a cell phone that's yelling this at you and you say that, you know, it's going to be posted online there. There is, you know, sometimes I think they're trying to get get some, you know, a little bit of information out there in a in a you know different way as opposed to speaking directly with the team and try to get some public pressure on them. But also like some of it is all in fun. And, and I mean, obviously, you know, when Matthew Judon says he is asking for a friend, he, he, re, he sent out a tweet later after that, that in capital letter said asking for a friend. And so you wonder if it's like legitimately asking for a friend <laughs> and he's the only person to literally ever ask for a friend when they say that. Like he's like, I'm not kidding. <laughs> yeah, like what what the deal is? But it's like if if you want a, a you know some private knowledge, surely he could track down Teron Matthews' cell number somewhere and just shoot him a text, as opposed to doing it in a public forum where he knows it's going to blow up. And you know, this morning he tweeted out something to the effect of waiting waiting for a hopefully waiting for an important phone call before four o'clock today. And you know he he obviously wants a long term deal there, but he's he's just not happy. Uh, with the way things have gone so far. And then he sees Chris Jones and Miles Garrett getting extensions and he's, you know, just kind of thinking, where's mine? And, yeah. and, you know, it's a, it's an interesting situation where guys try to use social media for, uh, you know, public pressure on a team. Yannick, Yannick Ngakwe is, is, has done that his whole time in Jacksonville. Don't do it in Ngakwe's way. <laughs> <That's the> <laughs> He yeah he went right after the owner yeah if the owner comes after you on Twitter and actually kind of gives you like when you see the tweets if you guys anyone go back and look at the tweets and then see what Con said and it's kind of like ooh oh yeah like Con won that round like uh, you kind of just screwed yourself <laughs> with your your stance over there I will say something the reason I asked you about that is because I, I did the podcast with the NFL with Marcus Grant yesterday. They were talking about the AFC East, and then you know we were talking about Le'Veon Bell and Adam Gase, and they were talking about trades and potentially like that. And what popped into my head is like, you know, there's so few places for players to go right now. Uh, if we heard the talk that Raheem Mostert wants out, oh, we got to talk about that today. I almost forgot to bring that up. Uh, Mostert wants out of San Francisco because he wants a contract. Well, he. Wants a contract like Coleman's. If not, he wants out of San Francisco. That quick sidebar. We're trying to think of teams that could actually trade for Moster. And the thing is, he would just be in a comp- you know, committee anywhere he goes. And what popped in my head was, given the injury history and how many people are hurt in Seattle, like, what if Chris Carson gets hurt? And that was my thing about Le'Veon Bell. Like, that actually makes sense. Like, that's one that could fit. And then in my mind, I'm like, what if Le'Veon Bell, like, put the eye emojis at Russell Wilson's Twitter account? Like, <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? So you can see how that sure. stuff might affect us as fantasy players. But let's talk about the 49ers with Mostert. Because, like, do we really care? For, like, first of all, what are your odds on him going anywhere? Because I think it's 1%. And then two... It, or less. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's, so, there's okay. no shot. So we agree on that. Let's just paint a picture. Let's just say he does. Uh, this backfield in general, how are you treating? Are you staying away at all costs? Are you grabbing Coleman as the value? Because I think he's the best value right now. If something were to happen to Coleman or Moster, are you, do you have any interest in Wilson? Do you have any interest in their rookies that they're bringing in a hasty and uh Salvin Ahmed, or, or do you not even care? Because on the one hand of it, we could say, well, Shanahan just has the magic. Like he has the, uh, what is it? I was about the Midas touch. He just turns running backs into gold. Sure. And I, so from a Jeff Wilson standpoint, I would say no. Um, on the undrafted rookies, Hasty has a little bit of appeal, but I don't, I think that's more long term. Like I, when I watch him play, I think he's a long way away from being a, a really good running back in the NFL. And I know the system and the offensive line there are really good, but th- this is, 
I mean, it, this is a, a, you know, Tevin Coleman definitely has a better shot. Jarrett McKinnon has a better shot at being a lead back than those guys do. Um, Coleman is the guy that I would you be targeting he's in drafts played because that of contract. Oh, no, yeah, he hasn't even he played at all. He's he's played in the preseason and keeps getting yeah. hurt every preseason. If he comes back this year, there's a I mean, there is there's just an opportunity there and we know he's dynamic. The question is can he stay healthy or is he you know healthy after the the ACLs and um all that stuff. But but I I don't blame um Mostert at all for for wanting to do this. He's 28 years old. Like that's that's kind of a cliff for a lot of running backs. He had an opportunity last year to take over the lead role and he was really good down the stretch. I don't blame him at all for wanting to try to get money, but he's like, it's just a really bad time to do that. When you're in the middle of a pandemic and everybody doesn't know what the economics of the game are going to be or whether there's even going to be a season or if the season's going to be delayed, there are so many question marks right now. And you're also in this era where no one is looking to, to pay running backs right now. It's, it's just, I mean, that. Yeah. The, it's it's just not happening league wide. Like the Zeke the Zeke and McCaffrey deals are extremely rare in the game today, especially when you look at this. Is, look at the I mean the free agent running back class for next year: Derrick Henry, <laughs> Kenyon year? Drake, Leonard Fournette. Yeah, like it, Dalvin Cook, Matt Breida, um, Alvin Kamara. Yeah, Philip Lindsay, Todd Gurley. All these guys are free agents. Let alone you've got four guys who should have been probably in in the twenty twenty NFL draft that went back for their senior year. And, and have piled into that draft class. So then you've got eight or nine draftable running backs next year, in addition to eight or nine elite free agent running backs. It's, it's a, yeah. like, you, you know, throw in Damian Williams. He's a little bit older, but I mean, when he's healthy, he can be really good. It's, it's a mess. Like you, you're not going to get paid in that, in that format. Well, maybe that's guys, why right? he's looking at it that way. He's like, yeah. he's like I got one and, year left legitimately. <laughs> Right. And, and he said, you know, he's wanting Tevin Coleman money, which is what, like, uh, basically double his pay. It'd, it'd bump it up to like four and a half yeah, million to be dollars. Fair, it's not even, it's not like Coleman's making eight million a year. Right. Right. And he's, and he's not, it's, he's not asking for a lot. And at the same time, the 49ers have zero incentive to do it. They've already, their running back stable was so, so full. Even after adding these undrafted free agents, they, they had no problem trading Matt Breida during the draft for a six round pick just to get something out of him. We've all seen Breida be productive at times. Um, so it, it's, you the know, fastest it, it's, man just in a, the NFL, it's just a tough, fastest running yeah. back. Yeah, it's just a tough situation, um, you know, for him. And I don't blame him for wanting his money, but, and I'm, you know, I'm all for the players in this perspective. I just have a hard time seeing that anything actually happening other than him just showing up and playing under this current contract. All right. So then let's come back east and let's go to the Washington unnamed team. <laughs> As of right now, <laughs> they didn't announce their name. Actually, I don't know if you saw that. Did you see there was a, I think it was a doctor or something like that or a lawyer, somebody out there went and uh, got like the tags uh, what's the the trademarks on all the potential 10 to 12 <laughs> te- including the red tails but only like a week and a half ago like that's where i'm like okay government step in like to just t- you know right. there was no that this is a hundred percent a money grab on this guy just trying to be a jerk so like i actually i would find the guy screw that like go the opposite way with it but anyway the washington unknowns let's just call them that i actually kind of i like that the unknowns uh the kelvin Harmon tore his acl unfortunately actually in some deeper leagues brad and some best balls i was tossing him on some rosters i actually like Harmon as a talent and he brought something that sims and mclaurin don't and that's the big body the potential red zone option and this team is still lacking any perceivable tight end threat as he sprinkle is sprinkle like let's be honest about the tight end position so i was like that that's appealing now Harmon's out so 
two things. Do you think this boosts Steve Sims and saying like, all right, well, now he's definitively locked into number two where maybe he was battling? Or do you think that even changes for him and your interest is more in the rookie from Liberty University, Antonio Gandy-Golden? I mean, I think there's opportunity everywhere. Gandy Golden fits the profile for what they would potentially need, but I'm not sure. It's just, you know, I'm not buying into rookies for 2020. I've said that before, and it's, I I just, I think think it's going to be a mess there. Like, they, I feel like they're honestly better off bringing in like Demarius Thomas or somebody in, in a, from a very short term um, standpoint and just throw them on a one year deal and get a guy in there that you know is a good route runner and, or, or, you know, if Josh Gordon got reinstated, you know, that, that kind of player, but I, but it's, it's, it's just, uh, you know, it's not, there's not Isn't Paul a lot of great out options there? out there. Yeah. Paul Richardson's there. And obviously Washington, you know, has a history with him. They know him a little bit. Um, you know, yeah. the, the guy that everybody should, should look at in some form is Antonio Brown. He's not the big body, you know, red zone threat, but he get, he's the red zone threat in other ways. Um, I think that I don't understand why like playoff team. Because of the six, yeah, eight sure, weeks. and th- and that's fair. That's fair. Unless you're gonna, unless you're potentially gonna try to sign him and trade him mid season and get a draft pick for him, and then it's like paying for a free draft pick, um, oh, yeah. you know. And and same thing, you know, same thing. Like I don't understand why Houston doesn't get Antonio Brown, especially, you know, Kenny Stills is is now got a little bit of a legal mess, and and so if if that happens and and he's gone and Brandon Cooks is not and and Will Fuller are not the perfect picture of health. You know why? Why not bring in an absolute alpha type weapon for your quarterback who's a star and and give him a chance? Like that team is ready to win right now. Have me throw out a number for you. I'm going to throw out the number nineteen point five over under combined games with Fuller and Cooks. Uh, I'll take the over, but that's that's a pretty good pretty good slot for it because you just you know cooks is a it's a concussion thing like he he hasn't really had right. any other issues other than multiple concussions but one more concussion could you know theoretically end his career right um we'll, and i'm not we'll trying to make light a, of that i just it's legitimately yeah, it's, what we have to consider in fantasy for sure i mean you you have a guy i mean when you have repeated concussions like some of that is has been proven to be almost kind of a playing style like there's a reason why this this guy's trying to, to run over guys or whatever yeah like it's it's he's he's tough and you you know you admire him for being the guy to go in there and be willing to take the hits but at some point you're better off pulling the Isaac Bruce Tory Holt route and just get down avoid the hits and take the yards that you can get you forgot the best one you know the best of that ever was during during that same time Marvin Harrison Marvin Harrison was just yeah, like I don't remember he, did he ever get tackled I just felt like he always <laughs> stepped out of bounds yeah step out of bounds or just fall down and get touched yeah he was the best at it. Hey, but give him credit. I mean, it wasn't that big. It's kind of like the Cam Newton thing. Like at some point you get hurt enough, you have to modify your playing style a little bit because it's otherwise you're just going to keep in it up on, on, you know, the, the injured list every single week. And that's a hundred percent of concern that you have to take in the account. And like, of course there's, and that's the difference. You know, you talk about with your sport too, with baseball, there's a difference between injury prone and injury luck, so to speak, like Giancarlo Stanton for people who know baseball Perfect example of injury, bad luck, like it just, you know, hit in the face, you know, this elbow blows out like from getting hit with a pitch like that, that type of stuff. Like that's injury, bad luck. Like, the Brandon Cooks thing yeah. at this point, he's now injury prone. Somebody like Alshon Jeffrey with the soft tissue time and time and time and time again, injury prone. Grant Hill turned out to be injury prone towards the end of his career. Like, so it can start off with injury, bad luck and turn into injury prone. But I think those are the things like Sony Michelle already 
injury knee prone. Like we know that like Todd Gurley, like you there's a good chance because it's tar- starting to get close to bone on bone. You know, that's an injury prone situation. So take those things into account when you're making your draft. Obviously, uh, let me ask you this. Speaking of drafts, anything you take away from Scott Fishbowl? Because for everybody out there, again, like we're not talking Scott Fishbowl and you're like, oh, we missed out on it. We're not trying to be like, oh, look, we were in and you weren't. Uh, it's just <laughs> it's a I, I bring up the question. That I paused to say. You know, there are takeaways I think we can get from it, but at the same time, you have to be careful because it's such a skewed scoring and it's super flex that there's so, like, most people, most average drafts aren't going to look at the Scott Fishbowl to take home to their average draft and be like, oh, I guess I should take blank here. Like, so is there anything that you learned from your draft or watching the other drafts that we could kind of use in a more typical draft? Not, not really. I, I, the biggest thing for me is you just have to pay attention to what's going on. And and when you're especially when you're picking on the ends, if you're picking first or second or 11th or 12th, you have to you need to get out in front of the runs, because by the time you pick again, you could lose two or three tiers uh, of a position by the time it gets back to you. And you don't want to be in that scenario. I, I watched that like it happened for me at quarterback. Um, I did. I felt like I was. Perfect at drafting tight ends. I got three of, of the of five tight end group that I was targeting. I was able to get three of them because I picked them at what I felt like was the right time. Um, but I, I was not, I struggled at quarterback. And, and part of the reason was because from in the fourth and fifth round. So I picked, um, at the, at the four or five turn. After I picked that right there, I avoided quarterback right there thinking like, oh, there's like six or seven guys here. Several teams already have two quarterbacks. I'm probably good. And then in two picks later, after I picked at the fifth round, Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, Joe Burrow, Drew Locke, Ben Roethlisberger, Ryan Tannehill, um, Skip Kenny Galladay, and then Cam Newton all went. Skip a couple more picks, Jared Goff went. And all of a sudden, I'm like, shoot, well, I'm down to like Bridgewater and Garoppolo now. And I took Bridgewater. But then by the time it got back to me again, I was there wasn't anybody there who's like a, a, a truly viable starter. I mean, maybe, maybe Sam Darnold. I don't – I mean – I know he's got he's got a chance there and it's but it's I don't trust anything that he's gonna do in in you know New York as long as Adam Gase is still there. Um so then it's like okay, well there's Derek Carr. I don't know that he's gonna be the quarterback all season. It, it's it just felt like that I missed that whole big tier. And that's something that I I didn't do a good job of. Um and so where you're drafting and it and it's not even you can't even you can't even look at at, at one Scott Fishbowl draft, like there, I looked last night, there were teams or leagues that are still have like seven or eight rounds to draft. Um, and we got done <laughs> really early. We got done in like four days. We, so they're, they're still going in, the but they, yeah. And I don't even feel like they can look at the other Scott Fishbowl drafts and get any kind of a gauge of where players might go or whatever, because they are all so drastically different. And, you know, when you try to compare, I look at your draft and then I look at our draft and it's com- like the draft board looks completely different. And so if you had been looking at our draft to, to see like where do I need to target, you know, a guy like a Naheem Hines or whatever, they, it, it, you just have no idea when there might be one person who just wants a guy so bad that they're going to overdraft him by two or three rounds, at least compared to other drafts. And, and you miss your chance because you didn't want to overpay for him. Well, and the big thing, too, is, you know, you look at one like Debo Samuel getting discounted because of the injury. Well, he's got like a ninth through 14th round (laughs) difference, like depending on what draft you're looking at. I will ask you about two players because my takeaway is there's two that I think are just being, I don't want to say 100% disrespected, but 
let's give them a little bit of respect. The first one is somebody who's uh, we've joked about before. He's under Devontae Parker career path right now, and that's Corey Davis. I understand this is a run first team. I understand that they're going to pass very infrequently and that if Tannehill does what he does last year, he's going to have to be remarkably efficient doing so, even in the touchdown department. So there's not a lot of room for Corey Davis to really break out, quote unquote, but at this point, Brad, what people need to remember where he was being drafted last year off his talent still, and now he's beyond free. Like he went in the 18th round of ours, so that's two rounds after your drafts are normally uh, you as in the general drafts are normally done. Uh, I'll give you the second one in a second here, but like Corey Davis, like are you at least taking a chance in like the 14th, 15th round? Like, because let me paint a scenario for you, Brad, and I don't ever want to wish injury, but if Derrick Henry were to get hurt. You're going to tell me this team's not all of a sudden going to be forced to start passing more? Yeah, and and that's something that I, I have mentioned several times. I think Derrick Henry has a very high injury risk this year because of the, the volume of carries last year. You know, Going into the playoffs, he went over 400 touches, and that's just an insane amount, especially for a guy with kind of a punishing rushing style. I don't blame them one bit for not wanting to do a long-term deal with him and and just try to get him to play on the franchise tag one year and see what happens. Um, because if he gets hurt, his value is going to get tanked, especially in in that that free agent class. So, um, I I understand the 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 ability to pass more. You also have to get open to get passes thrown your way, especially from Ryan Tannehill, and that's where Corey Davis sucks right now. And and I don't know. I there's a you know when you see this game log of like two catches, one catch, two catches, three catches, three catches. There's there's nothing about that that's appealing to me in the sense that like even if I have him on my team and even say he bumps it up a little bit to like four or five catches a week on a, on average that's not a guy that I'm going to be playing in my lineup like he might be a bye week replacement but it's still you know it's still not going to be a starter for me I need you know the guys that, that he's going to have to jump over have six seven eight catches you know every every other week or whatever and I'm I'm shooting for that upside and I just don't see it from from him like there's. There's athletic talent for sure, but it's going to take, I think it's going to take more than one injury. No, I don't think you're telling me. So I'll give you a line from last year, 50 receptions, a thousand yards and two touchdowns. Wide receiver 38 and half point PPR, Mike Williams. Now I don't even need the thousand yards, but you tell me Corey Davis can't get 5,805 touchdowns, which would put him right at about that spot. Like that's wide receiver four. He's going to get in your lineup at times if he's there maybe, but I like, unless he's having big weeks where it's like, okay, he's putting out, you know, seven catches, 90 yards and a touchdown on, you know, two out of three weeks. Okay. Well now I got to look at starting him potentially. But if, if that's happening like twice a season and you never know when it's going to be, I want nothing to do with it. I don't care what his end of the year stats are. No, that's certainly fair. Yeah. Mike Williams is, is, I like Mike Williams a lot, but Philip Rivers was atrocious last year. Like you almost didn't want to play anybody in, in from a wide receiver slash tight end standpoint in that offense because. But you did put Mike Williams in depending on the matchup. I think that's the thing. Sure. Like when you get yeah. to the four wide receiver fours or fives, and you're looking at that matchup potential. All right, then let me see if I can sell you on the second one. And DVR producer, maybe this will make you smile a little bit. All the love is for Alan Lazard, and that's certainly understandable. Like we saw the production at the end of the year, he seems like he'll be the number two, but. But what if Devin Funches is the number two? Like, I'm not ex- <laughs> like, 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 I know I just heard you like half chuckle over there. <laughs> Nobody should be a Funches fan as the player. Like you talk about not separating. Like we saw what happened with the Kelvin Benjamin that they bring in Funches. Like, why did you just bring in the same big dude who can't separate? All that being said is 
you still have the potential of being the number two with Rodgers. Like, like I see you typing in here, DVR. Yes, Rodgers can throw anybody open. Like he can, he can make Funches get to balls that he can't make, or you know, other teams. Like I, I don't know if you saw this, but somebody posted this, and I probably DVR probably saw it. Uh, there was the ten best throws of Aaron Rodgers for the past, I think it was five or ten years or something like that, and some of the ridiculous ones where he's throwing it to the back corner of the end zone in this like pinhole window and stuff like that. So. All I'm saying, Aaron Rodgers looked awful at times last year. You still saw the glimmer of Aaron Rodgers. Maybe he's lost it. Maybe he hasn't. Let's just say he hasn't for a second here, Brad. Is there a chance that Devin Funches having relevance in 2020? When I say this, the reason I'm asking, because in the Scott Fishbowl, I got him with the last pick of the 22nd round. Like that's, I mean, that's beyond undrafted at this point. Yeah. And I, I'm not positive he went. He, he may have went undrafted in our Scott Fishbowl. Like, if we get to August 25th and he's the number two wide receiver for the Packers, do you have interest at that point? Yeah, I, I well, I will say this. I have more interest in him than I do in Corey Davis because we've at least seen <laughs> a really good season out of him where he had 63, 8, 40, and 8 touchdowns. Like, when when you have that possibility, and he's he is a monster. He's 6'4", 225. Like, that's... That's a guy that you see as a red zone threat, especially. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we and we know Devontae Adams is going to get a lot of attention from defenses this year because right now it feels like there's really no one else there. Um, but yeah, like if if he can find the way to get open or make some contested catches, you can see him all of a sudden starting to gain some trust because Rodgers definitely plays favorites. There's there's been no question about that in his whole career, and and it's you know. It, you see like just a little connection get going with somebody and all of a sudden he takes off. And that's how Jordy Nelson got a shot. And that's how Randall Cobb became, you know, s- such a dynamic weapon when he was a quarterback in college, but he showed instantly he could do something. Roger started feeding him the ball. If, if there is any kind of a connection there that they develop early in the season. Yeah. That I, I would absolutely take a shot on Devin Funches at that point. Um, and, and at the last pick of the 22nd round, you have, I mean, there's zero risk there. Like that's, you may as well just grab a guy off free agency. So Funches was an 18th round pick in ours. I just saw saw his name, but he was taken after Alshon Jeffrey. I would rather have Devin Funches right now than Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah, because Al- Alshon Jeffrey may not play this year. Oh yeah, they're talking about him starting on the pop. So we'll we'll kind of two stories for the Eagles here. So Alshon Jeffrey likely to start on the pop. Deshaun Jackson, you know, has his off the field stuff going on, but I mean, it doesn't sound like it's going to affect football at this point. But Deshaun Jackson, at this point of his career, still not the best option especially like on the football field he was you know even as best he was inconsistent in fantasy there was two years that where he was pretty much most weeks really reliable there was only a few bad ones I mean not I'm not saying he was Tyreek Hill but uh, kind of on that level where you know it wasn't oh my god he had at eight bad games it was you know maybe like three bad ones uh but he never had the peak of Tyreek Hill obviously but that being said Deshaun Jackson as the quote unquote number one, I mean, do you have like, where are you putting Rager? Cause you're the rookie. You're the anti rookie guy right now. Where are you putting Rager or any interest in Arthago Whiteside as not necessarily just being a bust because he's only been one year or, and and the problem is, is after that, now we're talking about more rookies with Watkins and Hightower. So are, are you even touching the receivers? I guess is the best question in, in Philadelphia. Yeah, I I mean, I took Deshaun Jackson in in the Scott Fishbowl in the 14th round and and I understand like there I mean there's a chance he could end up getting cut out of this whole mess. I don't know. They it sounds like he's kind of doing the right things to to uh, uh, attempt to show remorse and and make amends for the things he said. 
Um, that being said, who knows? Like, it, but if he's on the field week one, they play Washington, who has maybe the worst secondary in football. I there's no question. I am starting Deshaun Jackson that week. That's that's who he destroyed in week one last year secondary? before he got hurt. Well, uh, fair enough. But they're same division. That's four games a year that you're definitely putting him in there. <laughs> so that's a good that's that's a really good point. So I I want you know I yeah I'm putting him in there especially in good matchups and I want to see I I like Chenault um I I or sorry not Chenault uh I like Chenault or too Rager. but um Rager yeah I like Rager a lot and I I just am leery about rookies in 2020. I just don't know how much of a connection they can build in such a short amount of time because we've seen rookies struggle out of the box when they've had a full offseason. And you're talking about these guys who are are super raw and athletic, but they have some nuances with route running that they're not going to have time to fix. They're not going to have time to to get the instruction. They're they're working out with the same the same coaches right now. It's not it's not the Eagles coaches. They're working out with coaches that are that are their strength coaches or or their guru guys that they found, and that's who they've been working out with the last couple of years, anyways. So why why would you assume that they can can make that jump right now? I just I don't know. Like I I, I don't I'm not a, on Arcega Whiteside at all. I it's, it boils back down to the tight ends for me, and this is why I took I, I think Dallas Goddard is a a premium option this year because I think he ends up playing a whole lot of in the slot and and maybe even outside as another receiver trying to get a big body matchup just because they don't really have anybody else. Look out for Greg Ward again. Smelling good is important, and thanks to Hawthorne, smelling good is easier than ever. It's time to move on from that old bottle of cologne that you've been holding on to since high school, and it's time to start taking care of your hair and skin. Here's how it works. Just take a quick two-minute quiz, and Hawthorne tells you the products that are best for you, including two colognes, one for work and one for play, along with a full complement of shampoo, conditioner, body wash, deodorant, and lotions that smell great and are free of sulfate, silicone, and aluminum. Plus, all of Hawthorne's products are cruelty-free. You can even take the quiz for someone else to help find the perfect gift. Hawthorne is totally risk-free with free shipping and free returns. Check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E and .co, not .com. Hawthorne.co. And use my promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co. And use my promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. Hawthorne.co. On the real football side of things, and this, again, goes back to your playing time, there's reports the Jaguars are going to let 25% of the fans in. The Eagles have already said no, no fans in general. There we've seen a soccer the playing with no fans. We've seen them playing with no fans and piped in crowd noise. Do you think that's going to play a part? And I'm not talking about defensively and you know hyping up the crowd to not be able to call plays or audibles or stuff because that's all out the window. Like piped in crowd noise or not, they're not going to. I'm 99.9 percent sure, Brad. The NFL is not going to let you pipe in crowd noise and then amp it up to like 150 decibels while the offense is on the field. It's going to have to be a consistent level. But I'm asking about that consistent level. Like, think back to when you were playing. Do you think it'd be weird? Like, I'm sure you played in front of 7,000 versus 50,000. Do you think it's going to be weird? Do you think it's going to affect the game at all? Or are you so focused that it's kind of almost tuned out anyway? that the crowd or lack of crowd is going to affect gameplay this year? No, I, I think it could. And I'll, I'll be interested to see what the stipulations are with the piped in crowd noise, because in theory, they they have decibel readings from every stadium. They could, they could make it to where the Seahawks, the Chiefs, the, the, you know, whatever other teams have 
are known for loud stadiums. Atlanta, you know, pick a dome, any dome in the league. Maybe they get a higher decibel level to to work with than some of the other stadiums do because they're going based off their past history. Yeah, but do you and think they would let them use a different decibel level when they're on offense than the winner on defense? Absolutely. That's the whole point of having crowd noise. I know. I know. That's the. I know. That's the point. But like, you if you're doing that, like you got to think of it this way. Like if you're the Seahawks, you're gonna do it every single time they're on defense for every single play. If you play in Seattle. It happens occasionally on a third down, and some third downs aren't even as amped as other ones because it might be a third down with barely in field goal range versus a third down on the 20. You know, the Seahawks are going to be like, all right, well, let's not max it out this. You see what I'm saying? Like, that's why I think I think it's like a slippery slope type of situation. I understand it's, it's a little slippery, but I definitely think there's going to be a difference between offense and defensive noise. Um, and you okay. see that in soccer. Like, they in, in soccer, they allow them to do different things depending on what the – the home team does and doesn't do so because if the other team scores, you're not going to have have the you know have the crowd cheering really loudly. Like I don't know if you've been watching Korean baseball. Just put the robots in the outfield. Just put the robots in the stand. Have you seen those in Korean baseball? Those <laughs> no. those are the best things. Yes, they have dancing robots in the outfield. That's all you need to do with football. But That's so awesome. let me let me like turn it another direction for you though because again with this play. Brad, when you're playing and the crowd is behind you, you know, you're getting amped up because you have two strikes. Like mm-hmm. I'm talking to you, Brad Ziegler. Ziegler, I just called you Ziegler for the first time in like months. Ever. Wow. Um, Perfect. You got two strikes or, you know, you're up to bat and, you know, there's two runners on down by one. Does the crowd getting amped, yes or no, as a player, does that help you? Does that really pump you up to like say you're playing 95% and now you're playing 100% because you feel the crowd behind you? Yeah, it, it definitely can. And that's why when you see guys do like huge fist pumps and stuff, a lot of that has to do with playing into the crowd a little bit because I, I think you will see that toned down a little bit in baseball this year just because there you don't have that same atmosphere. Um, you know, they, I, I think it matters. I think it's going to matter in football. And I think that you're going to try, you're going to see teams try to mimic what it's like to have a home field advantage. I've even thought, I don't know how, what this position is. I was talking to a buddy yesterday on the phone. I was like, man, I might try to apply for the chiefs to be their crowd noise guy. And just, just to, <laughs> just to have somebody in there who like understands what it's like to be on the field. Understand you're going to pump it to 200 every single play. <laughs> well, like if they're, yeah, I mean, if they're on, if it's fourth and goal and the chiefs are on defense, you better believe it's going to be loud. Like I, you're going to do it first and 10 from the 25. Don't, don't kid us. <laughs> but I just, I think you could do it. If you put people in then in there who have a realistic feel and just say like, look, on you know in certain situations here's the loudest you can go and you have a you know a dial basically and and with marks on the dial like this is where you can go in certain situations I think that'd be a blast because you just have to pay way more attention to the game than I would probably want to play like I would want to be cheering and and forget the crowd noise and Oh no! If you're gonna if you're gonna put it in my hands, Brad, I'm gonna like do what you do, but I'm gonna do it even worse. Like I put I put it to maximum, but then I would like make it go in and out, so it really like set like it'd be like. Ah, <laughs> ah, I I also don't want to I don't want to screw up the Chiefs though. Like I want to I want to you know you can't you got to realize that both teams are here and whatever you put out there. I just want I want it to be where. <laughs> You know, like John Elway is having to turn around to the official on the Monday night game in Kansas City and and the officials, you know, putting warnings out that if the crowd isn't quieter where he can get the calls out, then the the team is going to be assessed penalties. And of course, that makes them even louder. 
even pipe in yourself and be like, you'd be like, Derek Carr, you suck at NBA Jam. Like that's that right. I need, I need, I'm gonna at some point, Clark Hunt's gonna have to come down and tell me himself to tone it down before it actually happens. <laughs> All right, before we get out of here for today, uh, some early ADP stuff uh, I want to talk about. Uh, just like just people are getting ready. Like it's August is right around the corner. What are we, what today, what is today? The 18th, 16th, 18th, 15th. I don't even know what the days are. They're all com- together. Today's two, two weeks. Today's yeah, tax day. Two and a half weeks away, <laughs> whatever it might be. Get your taxes. All right. In. So, oh yeah, good call. So quarterback right now, what's the, and I would say probably QB one level, Brad, like where you see an ADP right now, we're using fantasy pros, uh, Fancy Pros ADP will say top twelve. Who do you think is the biggest bust potential right now in the top twelve for ADP at quarterback? We're doing quarterbacks this week. Just quarterback. Okay, so I'm going to biggest bust potential. I think that. Let's see. I'll go. <laughs> I'm going to go Tom Brady. Um, and I and part of the I reason feel like that'd be a be, common pick. Yeah, because because. You just, I mean, he was not good last year at times. And I know he didn't have a lot to work with receiver-wise, and he's got one of the best receiving cores this year. But a lot of the throws he made were bad. And not only that, but there are guys, part of the reason is there are guys below him. Matt Stafford, for instance. I would rather have Matt Stafford than Tom Brady. Matt Stafford was a top-five quarterback last year prior to his injury. And so I could see easily Stafford going over the top of Brady um, in standings. And Brady right now, ADP is is the number 11 quarterback off the board. Um, Aaron Rodgers, you know, you could see falling down a little bit too, but I, I think, I still think Brady is probably the guy that, that I see falling out, um, having the best chance of falling out. You know, if you, if you take out injury concerns, you know, um, assuming everybody's healthy, I, I could see there's a good chance Brady doesn't finish as a top 12 quarterback. I can see that. I, I'm actually going to go a little bit higher than you. And I talked about overdrafted players, the most overdrafted players currently, uh, if you want to go check that out, that's over at The Athletic as well. Uh, I'm going all the way up to number seven in the article is Josh Allen. And I'm a Josh Allen fan. Now, our projections have Josh Allen at QB7. But I think everybody out there, and you'll understand this, Brad, when I say this, is because he's QB7 in my projections, I actually think that, you, you know me, I don't like to buy all the risk. I think you're kind of buying all the risk with him because I don't see very much more room for improvement. I haven't wrote in the article. I actually think that the addition of Stefan Diggs is going to help Josh Allen put up better passing numbers. The problem is he even hit 3,100 yards last year. He threw for 20 touchdowns. And even if you jump him to 3,500 and we'll say 24, 25 touchdowns, that's a fine jump, but that only moves him a spot or two. That's actually not even enough to get him inside the top five. And then the flip side of it, Brad, and this is why I think he has the bus potential, is the nine rushing touchdowns. Like, let's be honest. Like, the last person to get in that range is Cam Newton. And we saw how few times Cam Newton got to the eight to 10 range. And that kind of punishment you were talking about before, Josh Allen absorbs it just as much as Cam Newton. He doesn't shy away from it at all. And I'm not saying you want to bake in risk as an injury because I would never, like, say, oh, I was right because, like, last year, I would never say I was right on Cam Newton being a bust because he missed essentially the entire season. I don't, I would take injury out of it. I'm just saying the nine rushing touchdowns seems like a high floor. Like, I would never put that as his floor. I think sure. five, six is a nice floor. And then 3,500, 24 touchdowns, five rushing touchdowns. I don't even know that I ran the numbers. That doesn't even really get him to QB7 last year. That gets him more to, like, QB9 or 10. So I actually think he's the biggest bust of the top 10. And, and you know, last year, I mean, he only threw for about 3,100 yards and 20 touchdowns yeah, last year. So yeah. so if he if he does get up into the 3,500, 24 touchdown range that you project him at, 
I think there's there's it, it's a pretty he's got such a stable floor. Um, even throw out the rushing touchdowns, like decrease some rushing touchdowns, and that's fine. It's also possible he he is a better runner this year, and maybe maybe he becomes a little bit better thrower. Maybe now that he's got Stephon Diggs, there's a little more after the catch that happens compared to the receivers he had last year, and it could actually boost his passing numbers even higher than that, and, and he gets up in the 3,800 yard range. Um, I don't think it's likely, but also I don't I don't know that they're going to have the same game script that they had last year. In, in a lot of games where I, I think they're a pretty good team, but I think they're going to be playing in closer games than they were at times last year where, where they were able to just run and run and run and run. I don't think that's going to happen this year. He only had 461 pass attempts last year, which is extremely low um, you right. know, for, for a 16-game starter. So I, I could see that number easily getting up into the 525 range. And at that, you know, at that point, if, if even you know, a third of those targets go to Stephon Diggs, and and you just hope that that he's able to hit him a few times because um, it's Diggs can be really dynamic. He's a great route runner, and we just Josh Allen is the is is the big question mark there. That offense could be really good. They've got weapons around him now that are legit. Is is he able to get them the ball? And you know, fifty eight percent completion percentage was a pretty big jump from what he did as a rookie. He was fifty two as a rookie. So so if he Does jumps, it, yeah, you know, say even another leap. Yeah, it just even if he gets to like 62, 63, that's a big difference in in where he can finish fantasy wise. Well, and that's the big thing. Like, eat, like chop off three rushing touchdowns. Don't touch his numbers at all. Just take off three rushing touchdowns with Zach Moss there instead of Frank Gore, which is like, six rushing touchdowns is still a hell of a number. That knocks him all the way down to QB twelve. Just that. So, like I said, yeah. even if you add those passing numbers back in, those passing numbers have to be a lot to get him back to QB seven. Let alone, like, so that's all I'm bringing up is you know I still like Josh Allen. He's still on a couple of my teams. I just I don't think I'd be, and it's not even the QB seven overall, Brad. I just I can't see myself investing a sixth round pick in him. That's the biggest issue. All right, so sure. outside QB one territory, outside the top twelve, which for real quick, everybody out there after Josh Allen at seven. It's Ryan Breeze, Rodgers, Brady, Wentz, and then Matthew Stafford, as you mentioned, is that 13. So starting with Matthew Stafford, outside the top 12, who do you think has the biggest upside potential? Oh, actually, we'll throw out Cam Newton because Cam Newton is going on 15 on one site and in the 20. Like I think some of that is just still not caught up to Cam Newton. So you can't sure. say Cam Newton outside of him, who outside the top 12 has the best chance to get. Well, I won't even say QB1. We weren't going to say QB12. We'll say he has to get inside the top 10, Brad. Uh, so, I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys here. Gosh, um, Daniel Jones has definitely has that opportunity. If he takes a, a step forward, uh, a la, you know, even if James he just Winston. takes, takes a step forward. Well, yeah. Say he takes a step forward that Josh Allen took last year, then as just mix in the numbers and then take a little bit of a step forward. And he's a, he's a QB one for sure. Um, maybe into the top 10, he's got a little bit of a rushing floor. Ryan Tannehill, it's it's hard. Tannehill did it last year while he played, but it's hard to see him duplicating that efficiency this year. So I'm not going to pick him. the The guy that that really stands out to me though as the best possibility is Jared Goff, and and I don't like Goff as a quarterback, but we we saw McVay get creative last year. It's very possible, or or two years ago, and then last year they went two tight ends, and and it felt like Goff got a little better in the second half of the season. I don't know if the numbers show that or not. But if if he goes out and and their their defense is not as good as um, they have been in the past, and he's having to throw a little more, just the volume should should increase quite a bit. And I could see golf ended up you know creeping into that nine ten range at quarterback. 
Yeah, I could definitely see that as well. I, I, and I don't like golf, and I could still see that just because I think Sean McVay is a master. And I don't know if you've seen some of the tweets out there, but they've been talking about how poor. It was one of the worst touchdown passing to rushing conversions of all teams last year, which is just crazy to think of when you're talking about. I saw something else, too. With It was like seven or eight times that that golf had receivers get tackled at the one-yard line At the one-yard line, yeah, and that's on, why, yeah. And on none of those – on none of those – possessions did he throw a touchdown after that it was always a running touchdown or or they didn't score so so those easily could have been a huge boost yeah so i'm gonna uh, i like you i want to take two here like part of me wants to say joe burrow even as a rookie because if he just does what if if he does what baker did as a rookie uh, Baker, 27 touchdowns. He might break that. That being Burrow might break that record. We talk about wanting to attack offenses with terrible defenses all the time. I think there's few defenses that you could argue are more terrible than the Bengals right now. And you're talking about a team. And that he might has weapons everywhere. Yeah, he has weapons everywhere. Like it. Yeah. I'll give you the other one. Do you remember who finished as QB three in 2018? In 2018. Um, so just two years ago. Threw yeah, for 5,000 um, yards, 34 touchdowns. He's called Big. He's got a beard that's yeah, glorious. Sure. <laughs> like if anybody saw his quarantine beard, it's just magical. I think he's been <laughs> chopping down trees. Like again, I I actually the funny thing is, is I just went on a podcast yesterday, Brandon. I said I don't want to put too much faith in arm only quarterbacks, and that being like the Brady's, the Matthew Stafford's, who I do like, even Jared Goff, like the ones that don't offer a lot of rushing upside. Because if anything goes wrong, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is a perfect example. He doesn't run like he used to. But just a 400-yard passing difference and a handful, like I think it's two or three touchdowns difference from two years ago, put him from QB5 down to QB13. Like just that little of a difference. That's why I don't want to do too much on an arm. But if you're telling me anybody's arm out there who has the upside to throw for 5,030 and even 4,630 touchdowns, uh, I mean, it's Big Ben, and he's going to QB16 right now. So I, I think I feel like the Joe Burrow one's more fun, though. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I there's a ton of upside with Burrow. I mean, you watched the film on him last year, and I don't know what happened between his junior and senior year, but it was a drastic change. And he he hit all kinds of throws all over the field. And yeah. Yeah, he had a pretty a pretty good um you know, pretty good offensive line to work with, obviously, at, at LSU, but they've upgraded the offensive line in Cincinnati. They're getting their their it was a second round pick um last year that missed the whole season last year. So they're there's a chance that if Burrow has time in the pocket and Burrow can run a little bit too, like there's, there's a bit of a rushing floor there that he doesn't get a whole lot of credit for a lot of times. I, I could totally see that. I, I love the concept of Burrow in, in fantasy. I just want to see, you know, can, does his game translate to the NFL? Because I, I think it's, it's not going to be a middle of the road. It's either going to be really, really good or really, really bad. Yeah. That's, I forgot about that. that's Billy Price, right? That was the one, the center slash guard. Is that who you're talking about? I, I don't remember. I just know they had a this. A, I think it was their second round was. pick, like really high draft pick last year that they got hurt in the preseason and missed the whole year. And yeah, I completely actually so, even forgot about that. Yeah. All right. So we'll see. We will see. Joe, go Cincinnati offense. Lots of fun. Everybody on that offense. Well, except for T. Higgins. We don't care about T. Higgins yet. <laughs> Next year. <laughs> but we do care about, again, go over the athletic fantasy football and fantasy baseball. Baseball's next week and i just couldn't even count the days but august is almost here so the draft season's coming uh at brad ziggler for brad at all in kid for myself hey you know what at Derek van riper it's very re- easy to go get him go 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 bother him on twitter for the baseball questions <laughs> he'll love that i said that and we'll be back <laughs> next week <laughs> <laughs>